Dodecadorks convene! <laughs> By day, he's Matt, a guy that sits at a computer doing computery stuff. But when the 12 sided guys need him, he becomes Pine, the Swordmaster. Hi! Although you might think his sword skills are superhuman, his real power is his supernatural fatherly advice and his uncanny ability to find perfect skipping rocks. Next, we have Scott. You might think he's just a guy with a wife and few kids who happens to have a sexy voice, or so I've been told. But at night, a few times a month, he becomes Roos, the fashionista. <laughs> That's me. His chakram throwing skills may be subpar, but his sweater vest is always on point. Jordan, we need you. It's time to shed your persona of a slightly nerdy guy that works in tech doing something financy and become Ebby, the arsonist and horsonist because you burned some horses that one time. <laughs> Salutations. Your metal skin and lifeless eyes conceal an unsurpassed knowledge of the natural world. Now, if you could just work on your social skills, I mean, do you have to stare like all the time? Sabrina, it's time to leave those fur babies and don the mantle of Nari Gobslayer. Okay, yeah, uh, the, the dog can stay there. You, you got a cat on your leg and another one. Yeah, there. No, no, other shoulder. Do you, do you want a, a lint roller? Hey there. It's funny because my cat is literally rolling around on the floor next to me. <laughs> oh. Well, take up your axe, but most importantly, get those sassy remarks ready. We're going to need them. Fall, break, woo. <laughs> Join me, Paul, the web weaver, as I spin a tail as beautiful and delicate as spider silk. Now hurry, burst through all my plans and prep work as easily as bursting through spider silk. We're <laughs> going to need every dodecadork available. Quick, gather them from Patreon, from the ratings and reviews, and from the Discord. The link is in the description. I think we're ready. And remember, if you've ever been chased through a funhouse by a rampaging juggernaut, then this podcast is for you. Crystal Codex, episode 81, ho! <laughs> That was amazing. Hey, Paul, I love how you keep saying that I, I, I do computer things. I do PowerPoint, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> that shows you what I know about your job. Yeah, but for anybody over the age of like 50, that's like a computer thing. Exactly. Paul is 41. Well, I know. I wasn't throwing shade at Paul. Well, you should because Paul always tells people, oh, yeah, Matt, he like he works in computers or something. I was like, no, Paul. I use a computer at work. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> That's like me saying I use a computer because I keep I keep patient chart notes on my computer. So are, do, you, are, do you work with computers, Paul? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently I do. You're a computer guy? <laughs> computer expert. The thunk of the arrow echoes around the dank chamber, its shaft still vibrating from the sudden stop in the wall of moldering wood. Nilla lowers her bow to survey her handiwork. Wearing an elegant yet impractical blue gown, she appears better suited to the ballroom of Mason's Keep than here in the damp, forgotten places beneath the streets of Arkelvy. This contrast is further accentuated by the quiver of arrows belted at her waist, the short, recurved bow in her hand, and the imposing figure shackled to the wall, no longer struggling against his manacles. Unconcerned, Nilla sets her bow on a nearby table as he approaches the chained man. Cowed by this threat of violence, he has the frightened, cornered look of a hunted animal as she brings her hand to his cheek as if to caress it. Instead, she grabs the still humming arrow and, with a practiced twist and jerk, 
pulls it free from where it penetrated the wall an inch from the man's right eye. As she traces the man's jawline with the razor-sharp arrowhead, Nilla, in her soft, sultry voice, says, Your honesty is appreciated. Pity it took so much convincing to let spill your little secrets. On tiptoes, she leans in close, her voice now a whisper, her breath hot against his ear. When I return from my other engagements, I trust you'll play nice and tell me your story again, in full. And then, she continues, gently biting at his ear, if you're good, I'll take you on that trip we've been talking about. You know, to share your tale with other concerned parties. She puts her hand on his sweat-soaked shirt, gently caressing his chest. I'll miss you while I'm away. Think of me. Promise? She giggles and turns from him, gliding out of the room as though she were leaving a gala. Once out of sight, Nilla's demeanor changes. She squares her shoulders. Gone is the seductive sway of her hips as her strides become more deliberate. She wrings her hands as if trying to remove the prisoner's filth from her palms and fingers. Unpleasant, she thinks, as she spits the taste of the man's skin from her mouth. Unpleasant, but necessary. As she moves, her mind again runs through the Fallen Rose's plan to escort her prisoner from Arkelvy to the people of Terrence Hill. His story, Silas's story, could change the course of the coming war. Noise! I think I'm in love with Nilla. <laughs> <laughs> The old man moves with purpose through the streets, empty but for the moonlight filtering between the multi-story structures. His eyes diligently scan his surroundings, his muscles are primed for whatever action they may be called upon to perform. The streets of Almar have grown more dangerous of late, he thinks to himself. Or maybe I just keep dangerous company. Moving through the moonlit city to the south, he can make out the spires of the now deserted Cathedral of Iremil, rising over the rooftops of the expansive mansions and expensive apartments that surround him. His passing does not go unnoticed as the occasional guard or doorman watches him pass. He had assumed this would be the case. Not to worry, he thinks to himself, I'm no threat, just an old man out for a late night stroll. In the summer, many people prefer the cool night air to the stifling daytime heat in the city of Elmar. And while summer was still a few months off, the days had already grown unseasonably warm. It's hard to sleep in Elmar during the summer months in the best of times, but now more than ever. He shakes his head. Maybe age is playing a bigger part than he cares to admit, but without fail, once or twice a week he awakens feeling more tired than when he closed his eyes the night before. Disturbing dreams, only slightly remembered, plague him on those nights. And from what he's gathered, he's not the only one in this city with troubled sleep. As he enters a narrow alley between two walled manor houses, he is suddenly aware of a presence at his back just as a figure steps from the shadows at his front. This figure is armed, a mace in one hand, the other gripping a steel buckler. Should have kept your nose out, geezer, says the brawny figure barring his passage. The old man senses the movement of the person to his rear as they approach cautiously. Now you gotta die, says the man in front, because the headsman doesn't appreciate snoops. They underestimate me, thinks the old man. The rational part of his mind relishes the clear advantage this gives him, but the other, less practical part can't help but feel the sting of their lack of respect and fear of him. Between these would-be attackers stands no mere man but a force who has led armies in battle and waged open and clandestine war against an empire. There will be death here this night, the rear assailant calls out. True, but not mine, not yet. One hard footfall on the brick of the street is all the old man needs to hear to anticipate the rear assailant's charge. The old man whips around, fluid as mercury, sudden as lightning, to confront the charging attacker. In a flash of orange flame, a long, thin estoc, so similar to that wielded by his previous commanding officer, the Field Marshal Kennig, appears within the old man's hands. 
Before his third step lands, the charging attacker finds himself impaled on this elegantly etched weapon, the life already fading from his eyes. With a single flick, the sword comes free of the dying attacker, and his blood is shaken from the blade, leaving it clean and naked in the moonlight. His faded blue frock coat flaring behind him, the old man spins back and charges the mace-wielding assailant. The spark glows bright, the flame sudden, the old man calls out. Fiery flourish! Lieutenant General Richter, the once but now replaced blazing sun of the eastern sky, makes war again against the final vestiges of imperial power in the city of Almar. That Richter is totally <laughs> stealing my style. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I've heard emulation is the highest form of flattery. <laughs> and to be fair, it's me stealing your style because I wrote them. So sorry, Matt. Hey, that just take it as a compliment. It means I think you're cool. Yeah. Welcome back to um, just outside of the city of Kelta in the um, city states of Ricolia on the world of Pavantis. Last time we were with Nari and the boys, they had sailed, um, I guess, through the air in their airship uh, to the east to find the old facility that Sydney used to work in, where Ebby actually woke up in. They had heard that it had been covered by avalanche and rock slides, and it had been taken over by some scavengers. Um, after um, some conversation and also some messages that had come in from the librarians back in Arkelvy, um, our heroes arrived at this kind of uh, camp. It had a wooden wall that blocked out any kind of intruders, and our heroes decided to sneak up and see what they could see. Ebby, with the aid of Squire Hide My Tracks, was able to turn into a spider, drop some rope um, from his butt um, over the side of the wooden wall that separates um, the camp of the scavengers from the rest of the mountainside, and um, ventured into the the tents and wagons and also these constructs that were guarding this camp. Ebby realized that these constructs were actually built from pieces of his people. A finger bone here, um, a leg, well not bone, but a finger here, a leg there um, to build these kind of spidery constructs as well as these spear throwing uh, strange bulbous head um, constructs. After sneaking in um, their ally, Dr. Sidney was not quite as sneaky as everybody else, and the spiders detected her, and a battle ensued. Since then, Sidney has gone invisible. Phobos and Demo showed up for the first time in like 30 episodes, and two of the constructs are down, and we have two spiders remaining, as well as one harpooner that is still up, and we are back to the top of the initiative. So let's go ahead and get started with this battle. First off, we have these spider constructs. There are still two standing. They are called clubbers, and it is their turn to go. One of them is going to attack at Nari. With its front legs, it attacks her five times. That is a six and 11, a natural 20, and then two 18s. Do the 18s hit you, Nari? They just barely miss. Oh, okay. Nice. So that could have been three hits. I mean, said it's only one hit, but that one hit is a natural 20, which is going to deal only seven damage. Heck. I'll take that crit. Yeah. Come on, guys. Crit me. The next one is going to go for Roos. It is kind of in between Roos and Pine as they stand amongst the tents of these scavengers. 
and it is going for Roos. Roos, five attacks coming at you. We have a 13, a 17, a 20, an eight, and then a natural one. That's two hits. Two hits. I, I envision these clubbers doing like the night at the Roxbury, like bobbing their heads to the side, like as they're <laughs> as they're striking at me. I was gonna make a baby seal joke as well, but that, oh, that was a poor taste. <laughs> I think night at the Roxbury is a little bit safer to make. Okay, that's gonna be a total of thirteen damage. One hit you for six, and one hit you for seven. I'll uh, half one of those. I'll have uh, Squire help me out a little bit. Okay, and now that is their turn, which brings us to the Harpooner. Last time in the battle, it attacked at Phobos and Deimos. This time there is a third target in its view. So who is it going to go for? We're going to see. It looks like we have got two attacks are coming at Ebi, and then one attack is going at Deimos, who I don't think has been hit yet. So Ebi, two attacks coming your way. That is going to be, ooh, a natural one and a natural 20, which is a crit. And we know from last time that these guys can hit pretty hard. So that is going to be, oh my gosh, 29 damage as it hits you with a harpoon. Oof. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. Can you do, can you do me a favor? What's and, that? Uh, and stop rolling 20s? <laughs> yeah, I'd really appreciate that. Hey, you guys are free to roll 20s too. I mean, go ahead. I'll, I'll let it. I'll let it. I'll let it happen. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Or really, if you could just start rolling below a 10 just more often, like we do. I mean, it's only considerate. <laughs> All right. As a bonus action, this guy is going to reel you in. Oh. Yeah, you don't get any save. <laughs> he pulls you in. You are right next to him now. 20 feet, you get dragged in um, as this uh, harpoon there's kind of this, this kind of spool and it kind of starts winding up zzz, and pulls you, sucks you right back in, right up next to it. But on the plus side, you're closer to the stairs. And then Demos is going to get hit too with a with a 20 and that is going to be, yeah, Demos is going to take 13 damage. Oh, he could, he could take that all day. He's a good dog. <laughs> he could take it all day, two more times. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ebby, that is now your turn. You are now face to face with this harpooner and you've got Phobos and Deimos either side of you. Cool. While he's pulling me in, Ebby kind of shoots his hand down to the right and casts a spell I haven't cast, I think, since my session zero. And a... a kind of spout of flame erupts out of his hand into the robotic energy saber. Whoa! Oh yeah! We're gonna go ahead and have an attack at it with my robotic energy saber. It's a 10 to hit or a 22 to hit, sorry. It's a plus 10, but it's a 22 to hit. That will hit. And it will do, please do decent damage. 13 fire damage. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, you you uh, you whip out and you you strike this construct and leave a big old uh, gash through its uh, kind of its bulbous head. And that's it for me for now. Pine, uh, you are back more on the western side of this camp. You've got a clubber that's been attacking you that has taken a little bit of damage that um, Roos has managed to do. And you've got the one that has been attacking Nari, which looks like it is still unscathed. OK, well, um, let's get the one to the south, the one that was attacking me out of the way first, so we can all gang up on the one that Nari has. 
So I'll take a couple attacks. First attack will be a 24 to hit. That hits. Uh, 11 piercing and four cold. Okay. No Swordmaster's Fury. Because I went a little crazy with those last uh, last episode. <laughs> uh, the second attack will be a 14 to hit. Does that hit? Okay, you know, a 14 does not hit. I was waiting for you to say plus 10, but you did not say plus 10. So a 14 does not hit. Oh, no, no. I'm, I would have saved that. Then can Zestack for my bonus action is going to move five feet closer because it was not quite in range of that one. And mm-hmm. it is going to also take an attack. And that will be only a 10 to hit. So that will also miss. Yeah, that will miss. Yeah, these clubbers have a 15 AC. And that brings us now to Phobos and Demos. They are surrounding the same harpooner that just reeled in Eddie. All right. And we will just keep on keeping on and keep attacking this thing. So Phobos will go first with a 21. Let's roll it again to see if we get the also a 21. So (laughs) no critical. Okay. And did nine damage on the bite attack and has to do the DC 13 strength save. Please roll low this time. Please. Oh, please. Well, it falls down prone. Yay. Hey, oh, that makes me happy. Okay, cool. And then Demos will go ahead and make his attacks. Also rolled a 21 and then a 14. So a 21 to hit. Okay. For nine more bite damage. It's amazing. Phobos and Demos basically will roll the same like every time. Like they keep rolling the same numbers for their (laughs) to hits and then often very. Yeah, they're twinning. They really are. It's crazy. Yeah. Wish Matt would do that with Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come on, Matt. I could roll some 20s, yeah. (laughs) To be fair, I do roll a lot more times than you guys do. All right. Um, Roos, it's your turn. You've got this clubber in front of you between you and Pine. It looks like it has taken quite a beating. I thought of another clubber clubber reference. (laughs) Is it clubber clubber lane from Rocky? Yes, it is. Rocky three. Oh, there we go. I thought you were going to say Donald Clubber. Oh, oh yeah. no, that's also a good one. Or Danny Clubber. <laughs> I will strike out at it with my dagger for 18 to hit. That will hit. And it will do 12 radiant, 9 precision for 21 damage that time. Oh, wow. That's a huge hit. And that is enough. It just, I, I what, what happens to this, uh, this, uh, construct as you strike it with this magical dagger so part of the way um i'd like to flavor this weapon is that that doesn't actually do um, lethal damage and so as the radiant light strikes through it uh, like an onlooker would assume that that the light would sever some part of the being but it actually just powers it down yeah the eyes the, the like little um ocular cavities the light just goes dim and it just kind of the legs kind of curl up it rolls over on its back and its legs curl up like a spider when it dies there's no like visible wound from your hit all right you got a bonus action and you've got um another spider clubber thing in your uh in your sights yeah Russo will pull out his chakram and throw it past um uh, mr pine at the other clubber okay that one is a 26 to hit. Don't take my clubber. <laughs> <laughs> For six damage. That one is uh, now has now taken damage. Very good. Okay. Well, and Nari, hey, now it's your turn to show up, Roos. I mean, he just came and threw his little frisbee at your at your target and uh, and and dinged it up a little bit. Yeah, Nari is going to glare at Roos and then swing for 19 to hit 
Yep. For 13 damage. Okay. And then she will come in again. Oh my gosh, with the nat 20. <laughs> Yay! Yay! And that is for um, 6 plus 6 is 12, so 17 t- damage. 17 damage is more than enough. Uh, you destroy another one of these uh, clubbers. Now the only thing standing, which is not even standing, is one more harpooner that is right in front of the staircase. And Nari will stick out her tongue at Ruth. (laughs) Oh, you guys had like a little heart-to-heart talk about being brothers and sisters, and you guys are now acting like it too. (laughs) All right. Um, As you guys uh, have taken out now um, most of the constructs, um, suddenly, um, from the stairway, you guys hear a crack, and um, there is a couple of blasts uh, from a gun. As uh, finally, Sydney decides it's safe to make herself known. Two shots from her gun come screaming out, and it looks like the first one is going to be a 15 which is actually not enough. And the second one is going to be a nine, which also is not enough. Two shots. Oh, wait. Oh, and it's and he's prone. So it's actually with disadvantage because she's further away than ten than five feet. So regardless, she misses the harpooner with her gun and she is now visible. You can see that she is kind of standing down in the stairway that goes down um, into the cliff face and down into the now buried Imperial facility. That brings us back to the top. The harpooner is going to uh, stand up and then is going to make some attacks. And Ebby, it's coming to attack at you again. Here we go. Um, that is going to be a 22 to hit. That'll hit. For, oh my gosh, 22 damage. That is huge. Oh, jeez. Holy cow. <laughs> Are you still up, Ebby? Oh yeah, I'm still up. Well, they they build them sturdy down there, you know? <laughs> well, that is, uh, that is its turn. Ebby, it's your turn to uh, to reciprocate jerk the the harpooner not you paul um so i i just realized um ebby's not will have not maintained concentration on the robotic energy saber because he needs phobos and demos up so that was a that was a one round deal for him that's okay because i attacked it three times last time and this guy only gets to attack twice so basically, we all, we all just suck at D&D. Yes. Yeah, we're just not good at this game, guys. If, if anyone's keeping track, um, yeah, we, we messed up all around. <laughs> Rules are hard. I don't, I don't like them. You know what, guys? Maybe we should just pack it up. Maybe 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 this is a sign. Maybe we should just be done. <laughs> no, yeah, we, we, we can transition smoothly into that Family Matters podcast we were just talking about <laughs> last time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right, very good. So what are you going to do, Abby? I think what I'm going to do is let's do frostbite. So I'm going to use a cantrip on him. Um, he'll need to do a, a DC 17 constitution save. On the failed save, he'll take 2d6 damage. Oh, it looks like he rolled really high. <laughs> he rolled a natural 18. So he is going to save. Okay, well, never mind. I mean, I was really interested to hear what else could happen, but it's not going to happen this round. <laughs> yeah, so nothing will happen at all. And uh, instead, I will use a second level bonus action to do Erdos's word on myself. Okay. For 10 points of healing. Okay. Very good. <laughs> that was super effective. <laughs> 
Pine, it's your turn. You are surrounded by these uh, scrapped up and destroyed and one kind of powered down um, clubber. And you can see um, the last harpooner is over by the staircase. And it looks like there's not really any room for me to get over there, is there? I think you could get around and stand on the staircase. Um, You could get over to attack uh, from one side. So Pine will then move over um, onto the staircase to attack this uh, last harpooner. And for my first attack, it is going to be a 20 to hit. Dirty 20. That'll hit. For 10 piercing for cold. And the second attack is a 21. For 12 piercing, 6 cold. 32 damage. Nice. My savior. Um, and then for my bonus action, I'll move Kenexess talk 20 feet closer, but can't get up within... Uh, the range of this uh, harpooner because it's too far away. Okay, well, this harpooner is looking pretty rough at this point, and it's now Phobos and Demos' turn. Okay, let's hope that these good boys can go ahead and do something. So Phobos attacked, rolled a 15, but he's got pack tactics. Oh, yeah, gets a critical hit. Nice. And does, gosh, so, so bad. So I guess that's 13 damage then, right? It looks like 13 damage, yes. Not too bad. And then it looks like he saved on his DC strength save. He got a 17 on his DC, on his uh, strength save. So he's still standing. Uh, Of course. (laughs) Of course he did. Um, (laughs) Of course he did, why not? All right, and then uh, Demos rolled a 20 on his attack and does also nine damage. Okay, so um, if my math is correct, that is 116 damage now to this harpooner. Oh, no. It is like sparking and like, um, I imagine like, I don't know, like in movies where like animatronics start to like fail and like, bah, 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 like that's what's happening. Like the jaw is moving and like. Like the last time you went to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. There's sparks flying everywhere, but the harpooner is still standing and it is Roos's turn. All right, Roos will move towards it, um, his full move. He's not able to get close enough to uh, attack with his dagger, but he'll pull out the chakram and and, uh, give it a go. That is a 19 to hit. All right, you can go ahead and roll damage, but it's not gonna matter. For uh, eight damage and then some precision, but yeah, there you go. Um, with that, the chakram comes in and just, I, I think it severs the the head from the body. Is that cool? That's cool. I mean, that's yeah. rad, dude. Yeah. I wasn't sure if your chakram was doing the non-lethal damage as well, or just the dagger. No, the, the chakram does lethal, but the, the brass dagger does non-lethal. Yeah, if we could have more decapitations against our enemies, Paul, that would be really cool. Yeah, I'd be, <laughs> I I'd guess be super that is into a common that. one. I would love it. Well, you know, hey, you know what, you guys? How about we cue victory music? Yay! Woo! We defeated the non-like difficult guys. <laughs> Barely. We defeated the wieners. Yes, the wieners. The wieners are are done. Okay, so as you guys are now, there's uh, you're surrounded by scraps. You can see there's like four, uh, three, actually three tents up here. There's a wagon that's full of crates. There's a couple of like stacks of crates next to the staircase. But um, 
yeah, that's what you see up here in um, in this kind of camp area that's outside of the Imperial facility. It looks like the staircase that goes down uh, has been kind of dug out of the rock slides that happened five years ago during the shattering and go down deep into the earth. Pine would like to look to see if there's any been anybody in the tents recently or if like there's been a campfire here recently. Hopefully some like a lot of these um, scavengers maybe are elsewhere. Well, you can make an investigation or a survival check. I think I shall make a either one. Let's do investigation. That's a natural one for a one. You're pretty sure that the actual like it was the constructs that were camping here. Like, yeah, I mean, they were roasting marshmallows and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> s'mores packaging <laughs> <laughs> you guys i think we just interrupted a camp out but you do find one perfect skipping rock in the campfire okay while pine is doing that ebby immediately goes off to the side and starts ritual casting his summon to bring amarok back okay how long does that take uh 10 minutes no nope, okay. it doesn't it takes an hour does it take an hour? Oh, I thought ritual was only 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes plus the spell's casting time, so it's an hour and 10 minutes. Oh. Ebby, friend, we don't have time for this. I'm 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 sorry about Amarok, but we got to keep moving. <sighs> Very well. <sighs> Fine. Le- well, let's keep moving then. There may be a better place to take a break later. Yes, I I suppose it's it, it'll do for now. Well, then let's let's be about it. And that's good news, everybody. Apparently, these robots were the ones who were camping here, and then <laughs> these are all the ones that there ever were, were here. So good news, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a sort of like a Cub Scouts thing going on? I think so. Yeah, they were working on knot tying. I could, I could, I could tell in my investigation check there was evidence of robots attempting knots. <laughs> they were lashing wood together and all that. Yeah. Oh my god! You wouldn't know this, but uh, I taught wood tying at several Boy Scout camps. Really? Yeah. Like sheep shanks and stuff like that, or what? Is that what they're called? Yeah, I was in adventure crew, which is part of the BSA. So I would like in high school, like teach like the grade school boys for their like weekend trip how to tie knots and make a bridge and stuff. Very cool. That's awesome. So you guys are standing up above the staircase. You guys have kind of investigated the uh, the campsite. What are you going to do? It is full on night, um, and no sign of any scavengers. Just these constructs. I'm heading down. I'm heading down a little, actually, pretty confidently as well. At this point, they they have to know we're here if they're paying attention. So we might as well just roll on down these stairs. Yeah, I think so. As you all descend the stairs, what is kind of your marching order? I have Phobos and Demos. Uh, I'm guessing they're going to come down with you. Oh, yeah, they fit. Totally. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, let's plan to have maybe Demos um, kind of lead the charge because he's got the most hit points. And then we'll let Phobos rest in the back. And then what about for the rest of you guys? Um, Nari's feeling pretty good. She doesn't mind going uh, up at the front. It's a dire wolf sandwich. <laughs> she does like snugging those pups. Yeah, Pine will be up there with uh, with Nari at the front. <laughs> Roos is, Roos is uh, 
missing just shy of half hit points. So he's he's hurting. Oh, so he's going to be in the back. Oh, if gosh. Pine notices that, Pine will go put his hand on his shoulder and say, "Good job, Bruce. That new uh, that new knife of yours sure is fancy." And give you some commander's morale. Would twenty be nice? Oh, that's that's excellent. Thank you. Yep. I could have sworn I left this dagger in the box where I put the swords, but I I don't know. It, I didn't realize it was magical when I bought it. Very interesting. You make good use of it. I think it it feels right. Did had, did Roos tell us at all about the uh, the vision he had? Uh, no, he has not okay. told about the vision. He didn't really learn anything from it. <laughs> so then Pine will just say, well, that's really cool. He got a good deal on a magic dagger. Who knew? How much did you spend? I mean, it was a negligible amount of gold. I mean, I don't even remember what Paul said. <laughs> that value, though. I mean, I bet that merchant is like kicking himself for accidentally <laughs> selling a magical dagger. <laughs> You guys um, start to descend this staircase, and it seems like the staircase has, I mean, you can see that it's like dirty, and there's places where it's like the wall has fallen in, it's been like uh, repaired, you know, not, um, it's been repaired with like uh, timbers and things kind of like pushing up like uh, places that the wall has fallen in. A couple of the steps have been replaced, um, and, you know, it's fairly obvious that whoever dug this out, the scavengers, uh, uh, presumably, um, that they repaired this staircase um, pretty well. And as you guys descend down the staircase, it kind of goes in a circle um, around uh, not that deep, maybe 20 feet below the surface before it opens up into a hallway. Ebby, why don't you make um, either an insight or intelligence or history or perception or some kind of check? Um, I'll try and run a, an insight check. Uh, 15. As you get to the bottom of the staircase and you enter into this kind of 10 foot wide, but then very long hall, it's very dirty and like dark in here. You can see um, certain people can't see at all. This is true. <laughs> yeah, I think Roos and Nari, it is it is pitch black. But Ebby, um, you can see here down this hallway. And as um, before anybody does anything else, you look down and you look to the right um, down this hallway and there is um, sorry as you're looking down the hallway on the right side you see that there are these doors that have kind of been knocked off their hinges and um, to the left you can see that there are windows that have been kind of busted in you can see that there's like rocks and debris that have come through the windows it's been kind of cleared out so the hallway is pretty much normally uh, accessible accessible normally but you you recognize this hallway. Could this really be that place from 10 years ago? Ebby kind of starts to walk that direction. Man, I sure wish we had a, a red candle right about now. Oh, wait, no, what? And Pine <laughs> will pull out his red candle. I mean, I can also use my power of allele, but... It's true, but, but you know what's great about the red candle is that it'll, it'll float on its own. I like the flickering ambiance. <laughs> I, I was going to say, while that happens, Ebby might grab a scrap of the wood on the ground and use that Artarian's glow cantrip to make it glow. Okay, very good. Well, we've got some light in here now. I think everyone can see now somewhat. 
as as you pull up the red candle pine and as you guys get different light sources kind of uh, coming up you can all see this kind of dirty old cobweb covered not nothing like giant spider cobwebs just kind of natural decay and um and and uh disuse um this long hallway stretching uh off to the west from where you are and you can also see that ebby is moving down the hallway i'm guessing kind of glancing left and right um ebby as you with your 15 perception you look to the left from where you're standing and you recognize the window it's now all blocked up with rocks and things but you remember that window yeah yeah ebby's just kind of living through that experience but he immediately turns into the room and is just kind of staring into it as you walk into the room, you can see. Um, so the room is um, it has a like a wooden center um, of the of the room, and then the um, the east and west sides of the room are stone. And um, you can see that there are um, these um, plinths, these kind of brackets built into the ground, and it looks like there are six of them, but you can see it looks like there are a couple places where maybe the floor gave way, probably during the shattering, and maybe some of these plinths may have fallen down below to a floor below. You can see on the east and on the west wall, you can see these wooden partitions, um, now um, kind of aged and um, brittle. Um, you can see that there are some desks that have been trashed. They are, there are chairs that are crumpled. There's a couple bookshelves that are now empty on the far wall. And in each of these little alcoves, you can see these metal tables, these metal slabs. And uh, yeah, Ebby, this, this looks very familiar. He just kind of is, is silent a little bit, but just walking forward, kind of inspecting looking at the different um, kind of cubicle areas, the little like operating rooms that lined the area, looking at the, the plinths or the, the stands where all the crystal apparatus used to be. Yeah, as you're looking at these plinths, you can see that the cabling and all the conduit is completely gone. The crystals are completely gone. It's, uh, I mean, looking back now, um, you know, when you saw it before, those those eight crystals arcing with power they were they were huge they were massive and the fortune that those crystals would be worth now i mean even then they were so expensive but now just astronomical so but they are gone somebody got them got it ebby uh ebby turns to the group and says this was the room as i'm sure dr sid would be able to explain probably even better than myself but this was the room where I was awoken. Uh, Dr. Sid uh, steps forward. Um, she, uh, she starts to explain. This is, this is a room that we built specifically to try to figure out how to power all of the, the Ormex. This was a, there was a, she kind of motions towards the center of the room. There was this massive array of crystals that was um, pretty ingenious. It, it was not, I mean, I, not solely my work. We had a team working on it, but it was something I was I was very proud of. And with it, we were able to actually bring power and bring life to to Ebby and to to his kind. And uh, looks like now it's been dismantled. 
any ideas as to where the where the crystals may have gone or perhaps even more importantly if there were any other ormex that may have been in the facility I mean it seems like the scavengers might have been here before us I'm pretty sure we took care of everything outside right <laughs> I mean there's nobody else here she uh, thinks about it for a second and she says there when I left the facility I I had to report my findings uh, back to um, back to the the Empire in Almar and uh, when the shattering happened I was there but when I left there were there were still quite a few ormex deep in the in the old in the vault beneath this facility that we had not gotten to yet so um, I imagine unless the scavengers have gotten down there and I mean, she kind of looks a little sheepish, and she goes, it looks like they got to some, uh, judging by their, their constructs that they were using up above. But, I mean, there should still be some of your people down there. And maybe there's some way to, to awaken them. Should we go and find your office before we head below? Well, my office is one floor down. As far as, as this floor, around the back... Uh, the hallway kind of goes around the building and um, there will be some storage rooms back there and then the staircase goes further down um, and my office is on the next floor down. I would imagine that the scavengers probably already picked this floor clean anyway. She walks over to one of these holes in the ground where it looks like one of the plinths may have fallen through and she kind of looks down and she says, too dark to see down there, but that would be the floor where my office is on if if this uh, hole is just on this floor. Abby, do you have some rope you'd like to use? <laughs> you know, I have some, con I have conventional rope too, if we need to use some conventional rope. <laughs> I mean, the butt rope's been just conventional rope the whole, the whole time. No, it's it's still hanging off of his, his butt right there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trailing it the entire time. <laughs> or we can go around the hall and we can take the stairs. If that's uh, safe, I don't. I don't know. I haven't been here for five years. I mean, there's this convenient hole in the floor. How far down do you think it is? If I look down through the hole, can I see like how far down the the floor on the next floor down would be? Uh, maybe fifteen feet. Yeah, let's just let's use some rope and dive down. Yeah, Pine will start using those those skills he learned in in Cub Scouts from um from Sabrina, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Start tying off, actually um, tying tying it around like one of these other plinths because it's big in stone, right? So it might be heavy enough to support as we go down. It looks like there's two holes. So there's one that's kind of here more um, towards the middle of the room, and there's one that's further um, to the north of the room, kind of at the far end of the room. Which one are you thinking of going into? I suppose any one is good enough to start with. Why don't we start with this one closest here? I mean, there's a good chance it leads into the same room anyway, so... So Pine will uh, tie it off, start heading down. Uh, Pine, you head down. You climb down the rope, and after about 15, maybe 18, 20 feet, um, you, you... I mean, you have dark vision, so you... As you're descending down, you can see that, you know, the floor between floors is, you know, a couple feet thick, and then you descend down into this 
small room. It's well, small. It's like 15 feet by 15 feet. The ground is covered in brick and debris, and you can actually see the plinth that fell through the floor is resting here in this room. And as your feet touch the ground, you can see that on the south side of this room, there is a door that has been broken. Why don't you make a an insight or investigation check? I'll go ahead and make an insight check. And that's a 14. Um, this door is broken, but um, it looks like the plinth fell through and then brick and everything fell through. The door, however, was knocked in. So not knocked out. Does that make sense? So the door was knocked in. It was not knocked out from the same thing that from the plinth falling, more than likely. So when Pine gets down to the bottom and sees he's in a smaller room, he says, I was wrong about the both holes leading to the same room. Come on down. It's safe. So Ebby, Ebby will follow. Yeah, Nari as well will jump down there. And I'll also bring my red candle down. Oh, heck, thank you. Oh, because you can't see. You guys are all now down in this room. Um, Sydney comes up at the end, and she, once she lands down here, she says, ah, oh, this, this used to be a, a storage room. It looks like whatever may have been in here was probably crushed as this plinth fell through the floor. Any idea of what else might be down on this level? Is it worth us taking the time to look around? If we're in the room I think we're in, my office is going to be, um, there's a hall right outside this door, and then my office is around to the right, and then it kind of goes around to the right again, and my office is right at the base of the staircase that goes back up to the level we were just on. So what you're saying is we kind of wasted our time by coming down here on a rope? Just, I don't want to climb back up it, we're already down here. We could have avoided some enemies, you never know. Maybe we should be a little more cautious. Is Pass Without, or is uh, is Squire Hide My Tracks still active or has it been too long? No, I've been hit a couple of times. I dropped concentration. Okay. Well, I guess Pine will move cautiously out. I mean, obviously we have light sources, so, um, but he'll still try to be quiet about it. So on the south side of this room that you were in, there's a door. And as you walk through it, you're in this hallway. To the east, you can see the hall extends another maybe 40 feet. You see a door um, further down on your left. And then you can actually see like this wooden um, kind of barricades have been set up. And it looks like there might be a staircase going further down into the Imperial facility. Um, to the west... The um, the hallway continues on a little bit further, and then it looks like it turns to the right. So this would be the turn to the right, and then go to the right again, right? Yes. If we if we head to the to the west, then that will take us around to my office eventually. I don't know what's down here now. Let's um, let's come on down. Are Phobos and Demos going to jump down, or are they going to wait upstairs for us? Uh, I think it's going to be too tight for them to come down this way, so they'll probably need to stay upstairs for the for the duration of their, uh, of their time here. Well, and, and in all honesty, Phobos, um, the jump down might kill him. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure he took a ton of damage. Oh, very good. So you guys are all in this hall. I don't know. Let me check to see how far you guys can actually see. Pine, as you start moving down the hallway uh, to the west, you can see where the hallway turns and heads uh, further north. And you can see that straight ahead, there's also this door. It looks like the door is open. And you can see just a little sliver into, into this room. And Sydney is kind of staying close to you, um, trying to move very, very quietly. In fact, she's going to make a stealth check. I think Pine will make a stealth check too, if that's cool. Then go for it. That's a 10. 
<laughs> well, I can guarantee you it's better than hers. If everybody's following, Pine's going to continue toward that uh, the turn in the hallway and see what's in that open door. Now, you, why don't you guys make um, all of you make uh, make some stealth checks? Pine, as you get up to that door that's open, you can see again. This door looks like it has been um, kind of beat from the outside until it opened. Um, and then as you look in, you can see just a ton of rubble. It looks like it's come in through windows and also parts of the ceiling have fallen in. As you look in here, it looks like there were some desks in here that have been since crushed by falling stone and debris. And um, I'm not going to make you make an investigation check for this. You can see that what looks like um, some bones, some humanoid bones, uh, like trapped under some of the rubble just barely sticking out looks like some people died in here when the uh when the facility was uh, uh caught in that landslide interesting note everybody the the doors seem to be um opened like pushed in from this this hallway into these different rooms i'm wondering if it was part of any kind some kind of a a rescue effort after the after the shattering or perhaps scavengers just poking through all the rooms why not you guys make Perception or insight checks. Just oh, you guys can each make one. Nari got a twenty-six. Bruce got a nineteen insight. Pine got another ten. And Ebby got a nineteen perception. Bruce, you sense um, a um, kind of this sadness, this kind of melancholy uh, come over uh, Doctor Sydney, and. Um, Ebby and Nari, you both kind of turn to look at her at some point and the light from the red candle reflects off her face and you can see tears in her eyes as she is looking into this room over Pine's shoulder, seeing the, um, the dead bodies in this room. Do you have an idea of who these people were? She thinks about it for a second and she nods. She says, I, I, I know the acolytes who were working in this room doing their research. Come, this is, I think this is just a sad place for everybody. Let's, let's try to get to my office. Um, as you guys continue um, now north going down this hall, it has turned the corner. You can see um, further up uh, on the right and on the left, there are two more doors. Um, and then it looks like straight ahead, there's another door as the hallway turns a corner again. It looks like there's kind of this uh, hallway kind of does like a square around this building. Pine, as you are moving um, up, I can see your token moving around the map. That's right. I move my token. Um, you can see um, on the left, that door is open. And as you look in, you can see a, a similar room to the one that you already looked in. It looks like debris has fallen in. There's another desk. Uh, a chair is toppled over. You can see a bookcase overturned. Yeah, it looks like uh, destruction. Um, as you guys walk past the room on your right, you look in and you see a little different uh, setup. It looks like um, Nari has kind of stopped and is looking in that room. Nari, as you look in that room, you can see this room is a little bit smaller than the other rooms. Probably, I mean, it's still pretty big, 25 feet by 25 feet, but it looks intact. Uh, and as you are looking in there, you can see um, there are some desks and some like almost like blacksmith tools um, on one side of the room. These desks look like good cover in case we need to hide in any moment. <laughs> exactly, they do. They look amazing. Um, you can see that there's like old dirty rags and towels it looks like there's a basin in here that you know um, may have had like water or something in it and then there's this kind of slab 
um, this kind of metal table in the middle and um, Sydney is standing kind of over your shoulder and she says, this is where, um, this is where we would repair those that we could before we tried to, um, to power them on. Um, we'd clean them up here and, and she kind of looks around um, and Ebby is standing right there. And then she just kind of says, we, we'd repair them here before we tried to wake them up. And then she starts to move on. I think Nari will kind of glance at Ebby and just trying to get a, um, just get a feel for how he's doing mentally, to like stable wise. Yeah. Could, could I actually have you maybe roll like a perception check? Yeah, of course. Sorry. I, I, I'm sorry, Paul. I, I feel like I hijack it every now and then with that. You never have to apologize for taking control of your character. I got an 18. Okay, cool. Um, You will notice that Ebby is like his hand is kind of twitching. His right hand is like twitching and trembling at his side. So he is he is unsettled being in this place. You know, he sees the tools. He sees like the slabs and work tables, you know, that presumably had how many bodies, you know, went through these facilities for him. It's like. For him, it's like going through like a concentration camp, you know, like there's there are ghosts here for him and it's really hard for him to to move beyond that feeling. Uh, as the doctor kind of moves on, I think Nari will kind of put her hand on Ebby's shoulder and say, hopefully something comforting. But uh, we'll say we're we're here to help Ebby and we're going to do our best. I, I promise you we're. We're going to do our best to make this right. Well, let's uh, let's just be about this if we can. Um, as you continue moving north down this hallway, Sydney kind of stops at the corner as it makes another right. Um, and uh, straight ahead, there's an open door. And um, Sydney kind of looks around the corner, look, looking for, for any kind of uh, enemy. You guys have made your stealth checks. You guys peek around the corner. You don't see anything, anything moving in the hallway. Um, and, uh, Pine, as you look into this room, this kind of this room at the, kind of at the, this first room you come to on this now North section of hallway, um, you look into what looks like a vast library. There is bookshelves lining the walls. There's bookshelves on the inside as well. And what you notice is that the bookshelves are empty, save for just a few scattered kind of ripped and torn or just um, uh, unreadable kind of burned books, whatever the case may be. Just the, just, just the highlights magazines where they actually circled the differences in pen. Exactly. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just some, just random scatterings of pages or scrolls or that kind of thing. But um, yeah, that is, uh, that is what you see in this room. And Sydney says, this was where we kept all of our research. And it looks like it's gone. My life's work was documented in here. The good news is, your life's not over. Why don't you make a persuasion check? Come on, good roll for once. That's a 14. You know, I think that's good enough to kind of get her out of her funk a little bit. She kind of straightens up a little bit. She says, you know, you're right. You're right. And knowing what I know now, that research, that research is kind of pointless. That's the spirit. You've wasted most of your life. <laughs> Nari will kind of glare at her and like glance at Ebby and we'll just be like, yes, I think that uh, 
I think that you're not the only one suffering here. So yeah, Ebby, Ebby's not even paying attention to like the library. He's like looking down the corridor. Uh, he he's like an animal that feels a little bit trapped in here. As you um, go down into this uh, this kind of this hallway that's on the north section of this of this building, um, you can see that along the left side of the of the hallway there are there are, sorry on the north side of the hallway there are two doors, and on the south side there are two doors, but one of the doorways is kind of obstructed. And uh, Sydney says, "That's my office, the second on the left." She will. Um, sneak up and follow you to the door. The door is shut. All right, open it. She walks up to the door and puts her hand on the door handle and pushes it open. And it opens up and she walks into the room. Ebby slowly follows her in as well. The contrast of this room with the rest of this facility is stark as you walk into this room it is clean you can see that on the walls there are still crystals glowing in here lighting up the room making it um pleasant um it looks like there's a desk in the middle of the room you can see some books on the desk there are some bookshelves around the the outside and it looks like there are still books on these shelves uh sydney um looks very excited she says oh, it looks like Looks like, yes, yes, everything's here. At the far end of the hall on the north side of this room, she, there's another door, and Sydney goes up to that door. She says, this, back here, this is, this is my office. Out here, this, was, this is where my administrative assistant sat. And she puts a hand out, and um, she pushes on the door, and it opens for her. And she steps in to a smaller like a 15 foot by 15 foot office space. It looks like there's a desk in the middle. There's another, again, crystals on the wall. There's a, there's like a, a picture on the wall of, um, it looks like a schematic of some kind. And as you're looking at it, you, um, you see what looks like an artist's rendering or like a blueprint kind of drawing of, uh, of a bishop, actually. Um, you can see there's some scrolls on the, on the table as she starts to rummage through the desk and look through the scrolls, um, she says, it's gone. It's, it's not here. What's gone? What is it that you were looking for? My, my map. I had, a, I had a map that showed where all of the, all of the research facilities, all the, all the imperial facilities that we use to study the ancients it's it's not here. And she keeps looking through drawers. I mean, that makes sense. It is it would seem like these uh, scavengers would probably want that information. She says, but they they couldn't get in. But is it the scavengers that got in here? She looks at the door and it's still intact and she says, "Well, if the scavengers were the ones busting open all these other doors, these doors were not um treated the same way. So, I don't think the scavengers got in here." And my locks were still in place, which means that whoever came in here was either allowed by me or had a key. Is there anything else that was taken? Anything else that would have been perceived as valuable? She starts looking through drawers and she's like, well, my gold's gone. Give me one second. And she, she kind of goes up to the schematic of the picture 
and she pulls the painting down and you can see that in the wall behind the um, painting, there is uh, some kind of a safe and she actually um, goes up to it. She pulls out this tiny little key and she unlocks the safe. And when she opens it up, she kind of goes, oh, well, oh, this is still here. And she reaches in and she pulls out what looks like a metal rod and on the um on the tip of the rod is like a mace no dirty jokes ebby is this your rod and tip (laughs) but the so the 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 metal i was gonna say shaft i can't say that either (laughs) the metal handle um it actually has like designs like wrapped around it and everything and ebby instantly you look at it and you recognize like script in allele and it's just like um i don't want to say nonsense words but like it's it says things like power and um you know and uh um and freedom and that kind of thing it has like these little like slogans like inscribed around it no fear (laughs) (laughs) ebby are you in an mlm (laughs) (laughs) it does not say thrive (laughs) but the head on it is like a giant um crystal it is a basically like a, a d8 style diamond shaped crystal the head of the of this uh it looks like a um like a mace like a a mace where instead of having a metal flanged head it has this crystal this red crystal um and the crystal looks to have a little bit of power to it like it has a little thrum to it and uh she pulls it out and she shows you guys and she says this is a something that we unearthed um, and that, you know, it was actually, um, it was given to me as a kind of an award, but um, I, I think it's a weapon of some sort, but I, I, I don't use it. So I, I guess if, if any of you want it, and she kind of sets it on the table, she says, it's of no use to me at this point. Uh, Ebby will definitely reach out and we'll inspect it and take it with him. Um, so you can keep track of the crystal mace. As she steps back out of her office, she says, so my, my map is gone. Somebody else has it. Who would have had access to this room? Who would have had a key? They must have had a key. Who would have had a key? That's my question. Like research assistants or grad students or the, you know, the department <laughs> chair. Who could have gotten in here? To this room, to my actual office, I have the key, um, which is actually, and she kind of holds up her hand, which is me. I, I am the key. And there was another key um, in the Imperial Palace um, that was a common procedure. You know, we, we could have our privacy, but it was always susceptible to Imperial oversight. I guess my biggest question is, those that took the map, does it appear that this, that is the reason they came here? That they came here specifically to find that map and take it with them? My things are still here. Um, there's still valuable information in, you know, these scrolls and in some of those journals and things that are out there in the, in the other office. But, um, it looks like, no, it looks like that's the only thing that was taken besides like my gold. Honestly, that map would be invaluable to, to, to splunkers or scavengers or anyone who's interested in, in acquiring wealth from these ancient civilizations. And to be fair, after the shattering, I don't know, um, I mean, anyone could have access to the Empire's belongings. I don't I don't think it would necessarily have to be someone who was involved with them. 
but it seems that they must have had knowledge that this map was here, and that they made it into this room or had access to this room and took only that that item. Or, well, that item and maybe some gold from the desk. <laughs> <laughs> she says, yeah, I mean, that that's, it would appear so. I mean, nothing else is, I mean, you can see that the scavengers, they, like I said, they're butchers. They'll break and take and smash whatever gets in their way. And I mean, she looks around there and she's like, it's like, it's like, it's exactly how I left it five years ago. This does not bode well. Yeah. Shall we go see what's beyond the barricade? Go farther down into the uh, facility? Yeah, let's be about it. All right. You guys go back down into the hallway. You go back around the same path that you that you came originally, all the way back to the room that you repelled into, and then further on down the hall, you um, there is one more door um, that you guys can open if you want to. Yeah, Ebby will Ebby will go to try to push it open. It is locked, and the door is sturdy. Hey, um, Sydney, try you know touching that door. Use your hand key thing. She um she walks up to the door and she kind of tries to push on it and she says, I, I didn't have access to this storage. This storage actually was um, one of the other departments here. Um, it looks like, and she kind of pushes on it, she's like, it looks like I don't have access to this room. I mean, I guess we could try to get in. I might have access to it. Well, I do have some good shoulders on me. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce will reach into his pocket and hand Gigi to Mr. Pine and say, did, did you need a key? Well, yes, let's try this. Difficulty 25 to pick this lock. And this, this door is, is magically constructed and it can't be busted down. So it's pick the lock or nothing. Okay. Everything can be busted down if you believe hard <laughs> enough. Well, I didn't say you couldn't bust the walls around the door, but the door <laughs> itself. <laughs> if you've got a sticky enough tongue, you can pick this lock. Uh, Gigi got a 28. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, Gigi starts working on this lock, and if a uh, if a uh, a skink can sweat, you see Gigi working up a sweat, right? You see, um, working and and like digging around in this little lock, and suddenly, click the door opens, and inside you see boxes and crates. As you look in there, it looks like these boxes have not been touched. They have not been, you know, nobody's gone through them or anything. They are sealed up nice and tight, um, and. Um, Roos, since you're kind of the first one in, um, with your passive perception, it's high enough. You can kind of see a little bit of a glow kind of coming from within uh, these these boxes. Roos will try and open the lid of the nearest box as he's giving a little treat to Gigi and putting her back in his pocket. As you, um, simple enough to get like a, you know, your knife under there or something and pry it open, or I guess you're, you're a rogue. You probably come with a crowbar in your starting gear. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you've popped the lid off and inside you see just loose crystals, like thousands of them. Oh, hey. little small crystals, like what maybe, maybe what you would have used for like your magic and things like that back in the day. Um, but also definitely valuable. Interesting. Well, this is nice. Uh, Roos will grab two handfuls and stick them in his pockets. Okay. Why don't you roll um, two D100s and see uh, how much gold worth you just grabbed? Oh, <laughs> I, ro- I rolled a 60 and a seven. <laughs> you got 67 gold worth of crystals. You can just add that in as gold if you want to. Okay. 
why don't we plan to to come back with the uh, with the other Ormex from the um, from the Allel Eagle, and we could load these up. These could be immensely valuable, both to those in the Kilava, but then also to others. Well, these handfuls will make up for uh, those bets that I had to lose for Mister <laughs> Pine. Hey, I lost a hundred fifty gold that day. Here, have a handful. <laughs> <laughs> Since Gigi's unlocked the door once, does she know how to lock it again? Just in case there's anybody. I mean, I'm starting to think maybe I was a little overconfident earlier when I said there was no one else here. I just want to be careful. <laughs> can she lock this door again behind us so that only we can get back in? I, I've never asked her. I think game-wise, I think, I think that's fine. She understands the lock now. She could lock it and reopen it again. Once she's put her tongue in a lock, she can, uh, she can figure it out inside and out. I should try that, too. Same. <laughs> I've tried. It doesn't seem to work with my tongue. Well, I mean, can you tie a cherry stem or un- unwrap a starburst? I can. If ever I need something like that done, I just give it to Gigi. <laughs> uh, Sydney leans over to you, Nari, and says, what the hell is a starburst? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, you guys are now standing at the end of this hall and you can see this wooden barricade. Um, it looks like it was built to kind of defend um, maybe against people who would be coming um, to try to get further into the facility. Um, it is unmanned. Wait, so so does it look like it's it, it's defending against things that would want to go farther down or is it defending against things that would want to come up from farther down? You know... What? It looks like it is designed to defend things that would want to come further down. Does that make sense? So it's defending it's 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 defending the staircase from people coming down the hall that you're in. Okay. Alright. But it's it's not being defended right now, so it's easy enough to move. Okay. Let's get let's get to it. Pine will move one of them. Start heading down. What is the marching order? Nari, did you want to go first again or side by side? Yeah, Nari is feeling super good, so she can go first. If there's room, because these these halls have been 10 feet wide, so if there's room, Pine will just be up there next to uh, Nari as well. Okay, cool. All right, so Pine and Nari in the front. Sydney brings up the rear as you guys descend this staircase. And as you get down um, to the bottom of the staircase, you can see that you get to the kind of this... um, There's a hallway at the bottom of the stairs that goes to the left, and then there's a hallway that continues to go straight. I need you guys to make perception checks. I mean, I see something on the map. <laughs> Nari got a 29. Pine got a nat 20 for a 24. Roos got a 17. Ebby got a 14. Well, uh, Pine, Matt, you saw something on the map. Uh, with your natural 20, uh, you instantly are on guard because you see a little ways down the hall that runs kind of from where you're standing, the one that goes straight ahead. Um, you see what looks like a dead body. Bright blood. Well, not bright blood. Um, actually, at this point, it's dark and crusted blood. Um, lies in a pool around a figure lying face down in the hall. Um, to the left, Nara, you can see that there is a... The hallway to your left kind of goes about 30 feet or so. And then there's a doorway that has been... Um, looks like it's fallen in. And you can see that beyond that, there is a some kind of a chamber. Um, but also... You can also see that down this hallway that goes straight ahead, kind of close to where this dead body is, there's also some kind of an archway leading into another room 
on the left side of that hall. I don't know if that explained anything at all. Basically, hallway to your left, hallway straight ahead, and the hallway straight ahead, there's a, there's an, there's a passageway on your left. And dead body in that hallway as well. Uh, Nari will definitely pass along that information and uh, say, do we want to do we want to move towards the the person who clearly uh, was murdered? There's not rubble around here, so it's probably not like death from falling object or something. That's, I'll go take a look at the body. I'll go with you, Pine. No, it, it for sure looks like murder. <laughs> do we think that these scavengers got to this lower facility and let something out? I have to imagine so. Or maybe this guy tried to... Uh, pocket some things that were reserved for the big boss and got himself shanked. I've never seen a shanking that looked like that. This is pretty bad. This is pretty bad. This body is mangled. It is not only crushed, it is stabbed, it is cut. Um, As you guys are standing here looking at the body, um, you can also see that this kind of, this opening on the left, on the kind of west side of of the hallway opens up into this room and in this room it is lined with tables like 18 tables and it looks like they are about the size of a bed and um sydney with her voice low she says this is this is where we used to bring the ormex up and we used to assess them here in this room before bringing them further up for uh, cleaning and attempted uh, reanimation well let's find our way further down she says if we go down this hallway it will eventually lead us to the lift that takes us down to the ancient facility underneath this imperial one. What was in the hallway there, the, the larger chamber that we just passed farther, farther back in the hallway? That's the entrance chamber. That's where that's where you used to come into the facility. Oh, okay. It's a large open like atrium. There's a couple of offices and waiting rooms and then the doors out to the, the courtyard. This actually, this facility was part of a a castle complex that the Empire built uh, to protect the ancient facility underneath, as well as our own Imperial facility. So it was kind of this this research facility surrounded by castle. In your assessment, is there anything worth us uh, investigating in that area? Uh, If the scavengers have been down this far, which it looks like they have... um, and she points to the dead body. Um, she says, then probably nothing of value is left. Um, as you look at this dead body, you can see that it is wearing like, um, like has like a leather apron on. It has like goggles on its head. It's hard to tell, you know, uh, gender or like hair color or anything. Uh, the body is so mangled, but you can see uh, certain signs of what look like some kind of a tinkerer of some kind, but definitely, definitely dead. Do we have any idea of like what like caused it? I mean, crushing, stabbing, slicing, all of the above. Okay. Okay. Well, again, let's be on our guard. Let's let's see if we can hurry to that uh, to that lift. As you guys continue down the hall, it gets to a point where it turns to the um, back to the west, and you can see two very stout double doors at the end of the hall. And Sydney is behind you guys, and she says. This opens up into the into the lift chamber. Well, we might as well do it. Nari will kind of go up and uh, try to open the doors. As you push on the doors, they open with ease. As you open the doors, you see a large 
open chamber. There is two lifts um, on kind of the, the south side of the room. You can see there's some wagons in here as well. It looks like they used to, you know, haul. This hallway is pretty wide. And so they have these like carts that they used to haul things around. Um, but these carts are kind of parked here. You see dead bodies covering the floor all dressed similar to the one that you already passed leather and goggles and cogs and little um, pouches full of components and that kind of thing and in the center of the room you see what i can only describe as a bastardized version of a bishop you see what at some point must have been the frame of a bishop but bulked out and uh, built on with extra pieces and uh, extra armor and blades. And you can see that the mana cannon that would have been on the bishop's back is not there anymore. But you can see like a crystal protruding out of its kind of humped, uh, hunched back. Um, you can see this large, roughly humanoid, but but definitely not nearly as elegant or as um, uh, as typical as what you would expect from Ebby's people, you see this large 10, 12 foot tall construct turn and look at you. You can see uh, there are blades for fingers. You can see just huge stomping feet and it looks at you. Its eyes are glowing red and we are going to roll initiative next time. Heck. brutal all right guys well hey um you guys have been exploring this facility you guys just so you know you did manage to um skip a whole fight by uh by diving down through the floor instead of going around the hallway so there's one whole type of construct that you guys didn't even get to run into called a zapper but that's okay i wonder what that guy does Well, you guys have discovered kind of what the scavengers have been working on that may have gotten out of hand. But if you are not on the Discord, go check out our Discord. You can talk to us. You can talk with other fans. We get some fan art every once in a while, um, some different theories. And it's been a really good time. Go check out our Patreon. Leave us a rating and a review. And until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time.